Cupcakes and Brimstone by Lonnie Reed, Celestial Falls, Book 1. The curvy little human baker is too sweet for me, but that doesn't matter. I want to taste. The bad boy dragon meets the good girl human. It's a match made in heaven, or maybe in hell. A crazy twist of fate brought me to her bakery, the Cupcake Fairy, and I'm thanking my lucky stars. The first time I see her, the beauty steals my burning heart. The first time I breathe in her sweetness, my dragon roars, mine, and seals the deal. Now I have my work cut out for me. My human mate is suspicious of my motives and decides to fight the pool between us. She fears I'm going to burn her. Things are about to heat up, and I'm going to make sure my little love enjoys every second of it. Look out, little cupcake. Your fiery dragon is coming for you. That's Cupcakes and Brimstone by Lonnie Ree, Celestial Falls, Book One, now in Kindle Unlimited. Welcome back to another week at Read Me Romance. Hi, lady listeners. Welcome. <laughs> I always feel like a game show host. <laughs> I do too. We are so excited this week. We have a brand new book, and it's yeah. Jenna Hartley, who is just the sweetest. She has a brand new book she wrote specifically for the podcast, and it's called Without End. We're going to tell you about her and all her good stuff in just a few minutes, and we'll talk before that. So listen up. (laughs) All right. I want to talk to you about my speeding ticket I got and what happened, because this was such a big ordeal. And I post about it on Facebook because I was so mad. And I was like, I can't wait to tell Melissa about this. So I was pissed I, too. And I wasn't even you. I was so mad. <laughs> yes. And like I even just put an abbreviated story on there. It was like way worse. So I was coming home. I had the kids in the car with me. And I will say this first and foremost, I have not had a speeding ticket in almost 15 years. I pride myself on the fact that I don't speed. Anyways. I was on the way home from Charlotte, and it was super crowded. It was like rush hour traffic, and it was raining, and it was like storming really bad. I was going like like 40 miles an hour the whole time, and it was just like, I just want to get home. Like By the time I finally got through traffic that we had to sit in, and I got close, because it's an hour from my house. Mm-hmm. By the time we finally got through it and got to like the halfway point, it was like, it was over an hour already, and I wasn't even home yet. And it was, but up ahead, you could see the line where the rain stopped. And I was just like, yes, thank God. Like, we can finally just go. And so, like, there was me and a couple other people in front of me, and it was like everybody was just like hammered down. And so we started going, and I had only gone like maybe 10 miles. <laughs> the cop was sitting there waiting, and he just got me. Like, I was yeah. in the back of the line. And, you know, it was, I was doing like 15 over. I mean, it sucked. Like, but I knew as soon as he pulled me, I was like, I'm going to get a speeding ticket right now. But it was like, I was so frustrated. I was just ready to get home, whatever. So this was like a month ago. And um, like right after my birthday, I was like, oh, great. I have to go like pay a speeding ticket. I've never had to pay a speeding ticket in North Carolina. And I don't know if this is everywhere, but in North Carolina, you have to go see a judge. That's so weird to me. 
that is it is the strangest fucking thing. I'd love to know how many states. If your state does this, tell me. Because I want to know. We don't go for court. In fact, if you want to go up and protest it or whatever, mm-hmm. say it was faulty yeah. equipment or whatever, yeah. your lawyer goes, you still don't go. Yeah. You don't even go then. Well, like, in North Carolina, apparently when you get a speeding ticket, you get, like, 50 letters from every attorney in this state trying to represent you. And I was like, what is this shit? So, in South Carolina, when you get a speeding ticket, you just go to the clerk of court and you pay it. Like, there's no arguing. There's no, like, pleading it down. Like, you go pay your fucking ticket and leave. So, I was shocked. And so, my husband, who has had them in North Carolina before, was like, yeah, you just, he was like, it's really easy. You just go up, the judge does it, and you go and pay your ticket. It's fine. And I was like, okay. And I got ready that morning, and I was like, is there, like, a dress code? Like, what is this? And he was like, babe, you're paying a speeding ticket. Wear whatever the fuck you want. And I was like, my first mistake was trusting my husband, clearly. And (laughs) in all fairness, there's only two dress codes I know in our courthouse and it's posted above. It's no flip-flops and no uh-huh. shorts. That's it. I didn't I didn't even look to see. So, I did look on my ticket they gave me because they print out this sheet now when they give you a ticket, I guess. And I looked and it didn't say anything about it. I even checked and I looked online and there was nothing about it. So, I go in the courtroom and I've never been inside a courtroom in North Carolina. This was all strange and new. So, the judge is sitting up there and they start off and they do inmates in prison. And I immediately thought of you. I was like, Mel would love this. <laughs> so, like, they, they have all the inmates that can't make bail. They have to do a video thing. So, they do their video thing with the judge. And then, like, one woman, like, I could tell right away the judge was a dick. Because the second person that went up was this older woman. And she had, and the district attorney is, the state district attorney is the person who kind of like, if you're sitting in the crowd, he's to the right. Mm -hmm. So he's the one that's going to like represent North Carolina. So for people who don't have attorneys and stuff, he like kind of talks to them, whatever. So he gets up and he says like this woman that's been arrested, she has no priors, um, no record, no nothing. She was arrested for assault and battery. She hit a guy over the head with a beer bottle. And she was arrested and she didn't make bail. And so the judge was like, what do you want to do? He was like, do you have a lawyer? And she's like, no, I just represent myself. And he like looked at the paperwork and the district attorney was like, the person that she hits wants to file charges. And he was like, I strongly, so the judge literally was like, I strongly recommend you get a lawyer. Yeah. And she's like, okay, then I'd like a, a lawyer appointed to me. And then he said, oh, before that, he said, he was like, we can, the state can appoint you a lawyer, but if you lose your case, you have to pay the attorney fees. Apparently, that's the thing in North Carolina, too. If you lose your case, you have to pay the state. That's so anyways, crazy. So she says, so she says on there, she's like, well, I guess I'll get an attorney. He's like, what do you want to do? Like, like, just calls her out. And I was like, what a dick. And this was two people in. This fucking courtroom is packed. There's probably a hundred people in this room. So, anyways, so I sit there and I watch him go through all the video chats and then the other inmates. And then people start getting up. And this is not just, like, traffic court. There are people who are there for possession. Like, people who stole from Walmart. There's assault and battery charges. There's possession. Driving while intoxicated. Uh, driving while impaired. All the... Every fucking thing you could think of, besides a murder, was in this courtroom. And 20 people went in front of me. 
this blows my fucking mind. The girl before me that went had lime green hair. The one before her was wearing a sweatshirt with nothing on underneath. And I know because she dropped something and bent over. And I was like, well, she's just not wearing pants today, I guess. Oh, my God. The guy in front of me had mismatched tennis shoes, basketball shorts, and a ripped T-shirt. Every every one of these people went in front of me had, like, actual real-life problems. I had a fucking speeding ticket, you know? And so they finally call my name, and I go up. And I, like, have to walk in front of the judge. And the attorney, he is very, very nice. He's also nice looking. But, um, so he's really nice. And I go over and he's like, he's like, hey, how, do you have um, any outstanding warrants or anything? And I was like, shouldn't you have looked this up? And I was like, no. He said, I said, I've never, he said, you, had a, you just paid a speeding ticket. Do you have anything else? And I was like, no, I've never had a speeding ticket. He was like, when was the last time you had one? I was like, probably 15 years ago. And he was like. Okay. He said, so we're going to, he said, then the state will agree to lower it. And if you can pay your fine today, I was like, yeah, I can pay my fine today. He's like, okay. So he turns to the judge and he's like, Miss Robinson's going to, we're going to lower The state's going to lower this. Miss Robinson's going to pay her fine today. And the judge is like, okay, I get the paper from the district attorney and I turn around the leave and I hear the judge say, you didn't have anything else better to wear today. I turned around and looked I was like, who's he talking to? He was, I could not believe, I could not fucking believe he was talking to me. I had on a blue, um, like top, like a, um, like a loose knit V-neck three quarter length shirt. It wasn't a t-shirt. It was like a dress shirt, but it was like a stretchy material and it was fitted. And I had on capri jeans that were like the distressed ones, but they were like ripped at the knees. And I guess that's what offended him. Because I know I was wearing sandals. So I was like sitting in the front row the whole time. So I knew he saw my outfit before I got there. Because I was directly in front of him. I was sitting behind the district attorney. So every time he looked at the DA, he saw me. Because yeah. I was right beside him. And so I was like, excuse me? And he said, you just wore that to court? You didn't have anything else? And I said, I'm sorry. I didn't realize there was a dress code. And he said, it's posted on the door. And I just stood there. And I felt so ashamed and, like, chastised. I felt like a child that there were 100 people in this room and 20 people went before me and not one word was said about their dress code. But he chose to take me and use me as an example in this courtroom full of people. And I just said, I just stood there. And he was like, the next time you come in here, dress better. And I just said, okay. And I walked out. You know you can talk back to them and you can't do anything. They already settled the case. You could say well, that, you're an asshole and walk out. Well, like, that was just it. This judge was such a dick that I was so afraid to say something because the this is this is also what pissed me off. So the bailiffs, like the two, uh, like, officers that were in the room that were walking around the crowd, they said every five fucking minutes they were like, don't take your phone out. The judge will take your phone. He did it yesterday. You have to pay $100 to get it back. He will take your phone. He'll find you a contempt charge. It's $100. He kept saying, don't take your phones out. Don't turn them on. That judge better not hear it. I'm like, in all of this time, did one of you not think to come over and be like, hey, bitch, change your pants, you know, or like something. But obviously that wasn't a problem. So anyway, I was, I was really like, in a, I was just so shocked is why I couldn't say anything back. Like, yeah. I, I was surprised I even said I didn't know there was a dress code. 
I just like, don't understand why he singled you out out of I have all those people. No fucking. I was like, you literally just talked to inmates. Really? You think I'm the problem with my like $200 speeding ticket? I'm the problem here. Like, you just had this dude busted for selling meth in Walmart. Like, come on. Like, am I, am I the citizen you're worried about? So I leave the courtroom and I go downstairs to the clerk of court and there's a woman behind the like register or whatever. And I was like, I need to pay my ticket. And so, and while I'm standing there, she's like, okay, and going through. And I said, is there something wrong with what I have on? And she was like, excuse me? And I said, the judge said something about my clothes. And she leaned over like the counter and looked at me. She was like, what? And I said, yeah. I said, the judge made a point to stop and say something about what I have on. And she was like, who is your judge? And this is the point that I start crying because I was Mm -hmm. so angry and so embarrassed that I just like burst into tears. And I was like, I'm sorry. I don't even know why I'm crying. I was like, I'm just so embarrassed. And so she looks it up and she sees the judge name and she's like, oh, I'm not surprised. And she was like, I'm so sorry that he said that to you. She's like, I'm just so sorry. She's like, I can't say anything else. I'm just so sorry. And there was a guy behind me who I guess was just in the courtroom and he was standing there. He was like, he said, I'd say something if I were you. He's like, I'd file a complaint. He was like, that was ridiculous. And I was like, okay, thank you. It wasn't just me like being Mm -hmm. ridiculous. So I paid the fine and I left. And so I actually talked to um, my local, like my councilman here in town. And so I sent her an email and she sent me one like right back. She was like, what? This is ridiculous. Like she was so sweet about it. And so I told her who the judge was and she was like, I'm going to look into this. And she told me like that she was like, I've, I've taken care of some stuff. She was like, it's fine. And I was like, okay, I don't, I don't know what happened or, or what she did, but maybe he's dead. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so ridiculous. But I, I know it's not like. Men in general, but I just hate when a man in power just belittles yep. a woman over nothing. That's exactly it's like what so it was. enraging to me. Mm. Would it surprise you that he was an old white-haired man, no. like a white man? No, no I already had that in my mind. I know, right? Yep, an older white man. And so he was a judge in Oklahoma before he came here. Like Kevin looked up his record. He was like, "What the fuck?" He was so pissed. But he said he's, like, got – I guess it's, like, you can rank judges. Like, you can rate them or whatever based on their performance. He's got, like, a one and a half or two <laughs> or something like that. It's, like, super low. And I was, like, what an asshole. So, I I just want to know. Like, I was so angry. I had to go to my event committee meeting for the city. I had to go that night to, you know, the group. And I told the people in there. I walked in, and I was so pissed. I was, like – I said, if there's ever a problem in the North Carolina court system, it's because people who pay speeding tickets have to go before a fucking judge. <laughs> I was like, I was so mad. I just like went in yelling because I was like, I said, the judges are spending their time having to deal with fucking speeding tickets. I was like, this is bullshit. This is when the court systems are backed up. This <laughs> was like That's so funny. mad. But I just, like, I didn't know what else to do besides just vent at people who were just laughing with me at that point. They were just like, you're insane. <laughs> it's just so rude. I can't even, even talking about it again, it gets me worked up again. I know. I'm, like, so mad about it right now. But I'd just like to know, in general, if your state wastes money the way North Carolina does, let me know if you have to go before a fucking judge for a speeding ticket. We hire lawyers because the speeding tickets are, like, 250 or something and the mm-hmm. lawyer only charges like 
300 and he mm-hmm. gets it knocked down. You end up paying like a hundred and something more, but you don't get any mm-hmm. points on your license. Like yeah. it's never happened. Yeah. Because your that's, insurance can go up. That's literally what happened when I went up there. And he asked me, he was like, do you have a lawyer? I was like, no, I'm going to represent myself. It's a fucking speeding ticket. If it's a ticket, I'll pay it. Whatever. I was clearly speeding. Like, I'm not denying that it happened. I'm not even asking you to plead it down. I just came with my money to pay this fine. And I have to sit here and be embarrassed to do it. Hmm. We're going to vote that one out next election. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just so angry. I'm terrible. I always... Vote all the male judges out. I'm like, ow, 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 ow. I'm like, oh, that looks like a woman. Okay. Ow, ow, ow. That's exactly what I'm I didn't, do My dad time. told me to do that. Oh, <laughs> my God. Did. Your dad is a genius. He's like, I'll, just vote them all out. <laughs> I maintain that I love your dad so much. <laughs> but on a happier note, I had so – I had such a good time today so I took the day off. I had like a fun like shopping day with a mom friend, Sydney, and she, I went and picked her up so we could ride together. And she said, I'm going to take you to this bookstore. I think you're really going to like it. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like she knows I love bookstores, you know, that kind of thing. She knows I write romance. And so she's a romance reader. And so this is, I was like, oh, this will be fun. Okay. And she said, it's an old house. It's just a big old historic home. And inside they've made a little coffee shop. And then every square inch of it is bookshelves. She was like, so you walk through the old house and it's nothing but books. And I was like, oh, this sounds really neat. And so we get there and she was like, look, and there's a sign that says romance and there's an arrow. And I was like, I was like, there's a romance section. And she was like, yep. And it was like a whole fucking room of romance books. It was, it was more than I've seen in my life. More, more romance paperbacks in one place I'd ever seen. And it's an hour from my house. So what I'm telling you is you have to come here and we have to go to it. But it was incredible. There's so many old romance books in there because they go on donations. Mm -hmm. So if you donate romance books, you get a credit to buy, buy, buy more books from them which I thought was really cool. So I told them when I was leaving, I was like, I'm going to bring some of my romance books up here. I was like, you know, they're just newer books. And they were like, the newer books don't stay on the shelves. They were like, it's all the old historicals that will be there forever (laughs) that we can't get rid of. He was like, like an old lady dies. And he was like, they'll bring boxes of romance books in here. And they were like, I haven't gone on a binge of those in a while. There was probably a hundred Harlequin presents in there. I wrote, I'm going to pick like, randomly pick like 10 yep. when I'm home. Oh, I'm about to show you the books I got. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to start with the two newest ones. And I got them because one of them, uh, Cynthia Eden, and I sent you this one. It was the um, After Dark. It's so the first book in this series. Her series, she's not as dark as she used to be. She's still pretty dark. But I remember when I first started reading her, like, that's an older one. Yeah, I yeah. I actually getting fucking scared. <laughs> scared? Like, oh my God, because it's almost like watching like the Night Stalker or something. Yeah, like, yeah. Fucked up guys and she'll switch into the uh, killer's mind and you'll get his point of view for a minute. Oh shit. And then pull back out. So but- this one is like, I looked to see, she's only got two books listed in the front and I was like, Holy shit, like, is this one of her first books? And it was, what, it says 2017. 
I think there's three other books listed in the front of it. But this seemed really exciting because it was the first book in the series. I've never read Cynthia Eaney, but you've always talked about how good her suspense is. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? It's right here. This book was $3. Damn. $3. I know. They're so fucking cheap. And the other one I got is Nalini Singh. And it is her first book. And it's called Angel's Blood. And it's the first book in a Gills Hunter novel. I have had hundreds of people. I'm trying to get it. There he goes. I've had hundreds of people tell me to read this book. Yeah. And I've I just, I've never read it. But I love her as a person. She's so nice. Like, I just thought, you know what? I should read this book. This is one of, like, her biggest books ever. Mm-hmm. And one of her best-selling series. And it's the first book in it. Again, it was $4. Oh, my God. These are so good. Wild Western Desire by Kathy Jones. This one was $2. Look at this cover. I love that cover. Is you can watch not... us on YouTube if you guys want to see what's yes, going on. Yes, if you want to see all these beautiful, beautiful colors, put them, covers, put them on YouTube. Watch this on YouTube. Look at how he's, like, got her bent over and he's, mm-hmm. like, coming up from behind That her. hand on the hip. This, I'm, like, her thigh right there is, like, the sexiest thing mm-hmm. I've ever seen in my life. Look at the back of it. Can you see that? Nice. Like, it's just so good. I'm just so excited. I bought so many books. <clears throat> Once a Pirate. Oh, I read the back of this one by Tammy Hills. The back. She's a Pirate. It's a female pirate book. Once a Pirate. I love it. Look at that. Look at his back. Like, look at the muscles in it. And he's holding her down. And she's dressed like a pirate. <laughs> like, clearly, that's a good one. <laughs> I'm like, I love these so much. Oh, this is an old Danielle Steele. It's called Going Home. I just thought, you know what? Like, we just need one of these. Even mm-hmm. if I never read it, I just want it on my shelf. Oh, that was, this is from 1973. It's the first edition. <laughs> By the way, it was $2. This one is, oh, I just died at this. It's called Hot on His Trail. And I just love it so much. Look at how terrible. Oh, it's my like, God. It's like 70s, 80s. Their clothes Their and hair. Their clothes are so 80s. Oh, that my hair, God. hair definitely. so good. He was her fantasy, the mirror image of the man she didn't marry years before. From the minute Officer Steve Hayden ticketed her for speeding, see how appropriate this is? <laughs> C.N. Masters was ready for the race, too ready for the shy policeman who thought she was too fast for him. After a fistful of summonses, C.N. realized she'd lost her heart but couldn't afford to lose her license as well. But Steve had gotten the message and decided to take a chance on the lady who'd made her intentions perfectly clear. Too soon, they were reckless, passionately involved, and C.N. realized her love had a new fantasy of its own. The inevitable question arose, was she really the woman of his dreams, or was he in for a rude awakening? (laughs) This is the greatest day of my life. Hold on. This one looked amazing. It is by Pamela Caldwell. It is called Scandalous. And I just bought these for the covers. Like, look at that. Look at that thigh again. Looks like the same couple almost. I know, doesn't it? What if they're like, this is their love affair as they just go. And then this is by Joanne Ferguson, her only hero. Look at that. Nice. God, they're just, they're so beautiful. It's just like, I can't get over it. I mean, there was like shelves of this, but there was also like, like 400 Nora Roberts books and Daniel Steele books. There was so many. And um, so I go up to the front and this one was like, oh, you like romance. I was like, yep. She said, we're running a special. If you buy two more, you get five free. (laughs) I was like, what? 
what? And she was like, we just got to get rid of them. Like, we have so many romance. She was like, we actually went through and pulled doubles like a couple of weeks ago. She was like, we've got so many. And she said, because when people donate, you know, they'll donate like random stuff. And she was like, really? Only the new books and like old Nora Roberts and Daniel Steele sell. And I was like, you guys need like a different audience or something. I was like, because I want all of these. I should definitely give a shout out to the bookstore. Hold on. I forgot to look it up. It's called Editions. I'm probably like, it's like first edition or whatever. Hold on. I want to make sure. Okay. It's Editions Bookstore on Instagram. That's their handle. And it's in Kannapolis, North Carolina. It's, it's awesome. Like, like I said, they have, they have a book buyback credit program. So like when you buy a book from them, you get a credit and after so many credits, like you get free stuff and then they have it to where if you donate books, you get credit to buy more books. So if you bring in some of your old romances, you don't want anymore, you can get new romances and read every Harlequin present they have in there, which is amazing. (laughs) I'm just buying you a box of those for Christmas, by the way. Um, all right, so let's talk about Jenna Hartley. Since we're here for her and not my complaining. <laughs> so what I love about Jenna Hartley, she asked us to do an interview, excuse me, for her series she has. It's called Heart to Heart, or it's Writer's Wednesday, where she interviews, um, she interviewed me because it was just one of us. I was like, I don't know how we can do the video with everybody. So I was like, I'll do it. We had a video chat and she posted on Instagram and she does that every Wednesday, which is really cool. So she interviews awesome authors and gets asked like really fun questions. It was a refreshing interview that didn't feel boring or, or forced. She's just such a sweet person that you can tell genuinely loves romance in the romance community. And I just, you can feel that with her. She has a podcast called Heart to Heart, which I didn't even know about, but that's where she posts the episodes that she does on Writers Wednesday. So if you're listening to this, just look it up, put in Heart to Heart on there and um, it pops up and you can just scroll through and you can see the author's name on who you want to listen to. And it's the whole interview. So it's like, it's super cute. And then she has a thing on her website that I saw earlier too. So if you're a bookstagrammer or a blogger or anything, you can sign up for ARCs and stuff on her website, which I just want to mention because I know a lot of people ask about that. So I have her book, her bio, and I want to read that real quick. So it is um, Hartley, H-A-R-T-L-E-Y. But the podcast is spelled Heart, like H-E-A-R-T. Jenna Hartley writes romance in, about strong women and the men who dare to love them. Her stories feature sexy, sweet, and laughable moments that reflect real love. When she's not reading or writing, Jenna is chasing after her daughter or enjoying another episode of the Great British Baking Show or Bake Off with her husband. She lives in Texas with her family and loves nothing more than a good book and a good chocolate. Join the Hopeful Romantics. That's her Facebook group, which I just thought was the, just the cutest thing ever. And um, you can find her at jennahartley.com. Um, let's see what else she's got on here. She is doing a giveaway this week that I want to mention now. Um, she, I believe she's doing a gift card and a signed paperback. So be sure to enter to win that on all of our social media. We'll post that everything about it. And um, we're about to send you into the first half of the book that she's got with us this week, Without End. And, okay, the, before I forget, the book I want to mention, too, that goes with this is The Companion. So it's unpredictable. What you're going to get is, like, an epilogue for this couple. So they're together, but they're going to, like, I think it's, like, their wedding is coming together, and they're going to do all that. But what's great about this couple is, like, there's an age gap, and he's, like, 
uh, NFL star. He's retired, but she, he was the father of a bride of a wedding she went to. And she's oh, okay. Ooh. So that's who's going to have this story. So it's just like a quick epilogue. It's super happy. And I'm sure a little oh, bit of drama. I love it. I love it. And also she has a new release out now. Is called Inevitable. The book that comes before this one we're about to listen to is like a happy epilogue for Unpredictable. And Unpredictable you can pick up now. It's in Kindle Unlimited. It's an age gap romance. I believe that she is like a wedding planner or something. And she ends up sleeping with the father of the bride. So there's age gap. And he's a retired NFL star. So... This is going to be their fluffy wedding and all that. I'm sure there'll be a little bit of drama or something, but it's going to be all happy. But if you want more of their story, you can go back and get Unpredictable. But the whole series, Love in L.A., is in Kindle Unlimited, and there's a new one out called Inevitable Mm -hmm. that you can pick up. Now, I'm guessing you're going to see these couples within this one. They're all mixed together. It says on the inevitable, it's a dad's best friend, age gap, workplace romance. That's super steamy. Yeah, it's all standalones, each one. So you'll be good. Even this one, if you just listen to this epilogue, it's going to be fine. I can't wait. All right. Well, let's send you into the first installment of Without End by Jenna Hartley, and we'll see you on the other side. This is Without End by Jenna Hartley, read for you by Samantha Brentmore. Chapter 1 The silky material of my dress swished around my legs as I climbed the stairs to our bedroom, floating about me just like I'd floated on a cloud of happiness all day. We'd done it. We were married. I was married to Harrison Hayes. My groom was on the phone, and I was hoping to sneak a peek in my luggage before he finished his call. Now where is it? I mused aloud, wondering where Harper had hidden it. When it was nowhere to be found in the guest room or in the office, I sighed. Not one to be easily deterred, I searched the back of Harrison's side of the closet until I heard footsteps approaching. I rushed to put everything back as it was and stood, pausing when I caught sight of myself in the full-length mirror. My cheeks were pink, eyes alight with happiness, and I looked every bit the bride I was. Today had been perfect, like a dream. And as an event planner to the stars, a wedding planner myself, I knew that perfection was rare indeed. But I couldn't have asked for a better day, a better celebration of our love. We'd been married in our backyard, surrounded by friends and family, and it had been everything I could have hoped for, both as a professional wedding planner and a bride. My assistant, Landon, had done an amazing job implementing my vision. The day had been seamless, everything breathtaking. From the pool to the flowers lining the arch and the reception that had followed, the execution was flawless. In fact, I hadn't thought about the logistics at all. I didn't have to. I trusted Landon, and he had carried us through the day with grace and ease. Damn, Harrison groaned from behind me, and my eyes snapped to him, meeting his green ones in the mirror. I still can't believe you're my wife. I grinned, just from being in proximity to him, 
and from hearing those words. But I got it. I couldn't believe he was my husband. I wasn't sure a man had ever looked more handsome in a suit, and I'd seen countless grooms. But he was all mine. Harrison Hayes, former star football player for the Hollywood Heat Waves, color commentator, amazing dad, and one of the kindest and most loving people I'd ever met. When he lifted his hand to run it through his hair, the light caught on the silver flecks in those strands, the platinum band on his ring finger. I could remember the moment I'd first laid eyes on him, and it felt as if it were yesterday. He was sitting at the hotel bar, drink in hand. I had mused aloud to myself something about life being unpredictable, and he'd come back with a quip about that being part of the fun. Despite my inner turmoil, my body had been attuned to him. And then he'd made good on his promise, making me forget the past, helping me forget the pain. Hey, he said, bringing me back to the present, grounding me as he always did. My Zen guru, as I liked to tease him. He placed his hand on my upper back. His palm was warm, his touch soothing. You okay? I shook away the cobwebs of my memories and smiled at his reflection. I'm absolutely wonderful, my darling husband. His answering grin was wide, and I could tell he liked the idea of being my husband just as much as I adored being his wife. It hadn't been an easy road we had traveled, but it was worth it. The loss, the pain, all of it was worth it to be with this man, to have him stand by my side and take on the world. He brushed my hair over one shoulder, and his touch sent shivers down my spine. He traced the curve with his finger. Then his lips, the low back of my gown giving him easy access to a wide expanse of skin. And even though I didn't want to look away, my eyes fluttered closed, core clenching, body tingling. I finally reopened them when he leaned in and pressed his lips to my neck where it met my shoulder. This dress, he growled, kissing his way over my shoulder. Were you trying to torture me? I smiled to myself, pleased that he liked the gown. It was an original design by Evelyn, and when I'd tried it on, I'd just known. Known this was the dress I'd walk down the aisle in, Mary Harrison in. It was elegant and sexy, yet timeless. And I wasn't sure I'd ever felt more beautiful or desired. But maybe that had more to do with Harrison than the dress. The moment I'd emerged from the back of the house and our eyes met was one I'd never forget. Friends and family were seated along both sides of the aisle, but my attention was focused solely on Harrison. He stood beneath an arch of flowers, the white and green foliage a delicate contrast to his imposing masculine presence. His suit fit him to a tee, showcasing his athletic figure honed from years of playing professional football. When he glanced up, our eyes locking, his watery smile was full of unspoken emotion. My steps had faltered, and I'd gripped my bouquet tighter, grateful I had something to hold on to. To prove this was real, it was happening. My dress flowed over me like water as I glided toward him, was pulled toward him. All the while, his eyes scanned my figure, dipping down my breasts, 
my hips, as if he couldn't drink me in fast enough. I'd been so nervous about saying my vows, but it had all gone off without a hitch. When a gentle breeze had blown through the backyard, a sense of peace and rightness settled over me, a certainty that I was exactly where I was supposed to be, marrying the man I loved. And now, despite all our previous heartbreak, we were husband and wife. My husband, I grinned, stroking his cheek. He met my eyes, his emerald gems shining with happiness and love as he brought my hand to his mouth. When he placed a kiss on my palm, sparks raced and danced along my skin. Even with the simplest of touches, he could nearly bring me to my knees. My beautiful wife. He pressed his lips to my wrist, the light catching on his wedding band. Did you know I had your band engraved? I asked, my heart racing. You did? His touch lingered, even after he'd released me. He removed the band from his finger to inspect the inside, then smiled as he read the words aloud. Without end. A quick peck for me, and then he returned the band to his finger. Just like in your vows. I love it. I love you. I sighed, feeling more content and joyful than I had maybe ever. I love you, Juliana. He guided me to him for a kiss that warmed my heart and ignited my core. I smoothed my hands over his lapels, clutching the material when he deepened the kiss. He cupped the back of my neck, smoothing his other hand down my back to rest on my hip. His tongue sought mine out, and I leaned into him, into the kiss, the taste of mint and whiskey mingling on his tongue. I wanted to stay in this moment, live in this moment forever. We kissed for I don't know how long, until he nipped my lips and released them. Even as he did so, he pulled me closer. And when his erection dug into me, I welcomed it. Was today everything you hoped it would be? He asked, his voice more gravelly than usual. I nodded. And so much more. He swayed us side to side as if dancing to a song only we could hear. And then, just as he had on the dance floor, he tilted me back in a dramatic dip. Though unlike our first dance, he ran the tips of his fingers down my sternum, leaving goosebumps in their wake. I sucked in a jagged breath, impressed by how smooth he was, though I didn't know why. Harrison was agile and graceful, an athlete through and through. He grinned, a cocky smile that told me he was pleased by my reaction. And then, without warning, he scooped me up into his arms, carrying me through the open door to our bedroom. What are you doing? I giggled, lightheaded from the champagne and the celebration and the love I had for this man. Carrying my bride over the threshold, of course. He smiled down at me, a smile full of so much love and happiness, though beneath it was desire, need, and it mirrored my own. He set me on the bed, the comforter smooth beneath me. And now I'm going to make love to my wife.
I watched in awe as he removed his jacket, tossing his tie aside before loosening the top two buttons of his shirt. I hate to be a party pooper, I said, but don't we have a plane to catch? He crawled on top of me, his thighs bracketing my hips, the dark, luxe material of his suit contrasting against the cream silk of my gown. All in good time. His grin was enigmatic, as though he knew something I didn't. Which, of course, he did. He had planned the honeymoon as a surprise. He wanted it to be a wedding gift. And even though I wasn't a fan of surprises, I could tell it was important to him. That said, it was driving me crazy, the not knowing. I absolutely did not know how one of my best friends, Alexis, had lasted nine months without finding out the sex of her daughter. Though Harrison had helped me learn to let go, I was still a planner at heart. The past few weeks, I'd done everything I could think of to extract any information out of him. I had even asked my new son-in-law, Connor, a former Navy SEAL, for tips on interrogation. He had merely shaken his head with a laugh. At least tell me what time our flight is, I said, gripping Harrison's thighs. So much power and muscle beneath my hands. You know I'll never be able to relax if I'm constantly worried we'll be late. You wanna bet? He smirked, obviously taking my comment as a challenge. He stripped out of his shirt, tossing it aside. My mouth watered at the sight of his toned shoulders and sculpted chest and abs. And then I remembered what he'd said, and I rolled my eyes. I'm serious, Harrison. So am I. He leaned forward, his breath fanning over my skin, then kissed me just below the ear. And it's a private jet. They won't leave without us. Oh, I swallowed, distracted by the feel of his lips on my skin, kissing his way down the valley between my breasts, my nipples hardened as if reaching out, begging for his attention. But the man had the patience of a saint and continued to explore only the skin revealed by my dress, which admittedly was a fair bit. As he continued to cherish me, I forgot all about the honeymoon and whether or not we'd be late for the flight. I love this dress. He paused his ministrations, searching my torso, fumbling for a zipper, I assumed. But it has to go. When he grunted in frustration, I batted his hands away. Chill, Zen Guru, I teased, loving how riled up he was how close to losing control despite all his patience. He narrowed his eyes at me, and I laughed as I stood, shaking out my curls. I pushed my hair over one shoulder and lowered the nearly invisible zipper at my side before pausing midway. Harrison watched me from the edge of the bed, mouth slightly agape. Where are we going on our honeymoon? I asked. Juliana. He growled, don't make me rip that dress off you and throw you on the bed. I glowered at him. You wouldn't dare. He knew how much I loved this dress. Don't try me, baby. He pressed a hand to his crotch, and I could tell he was aching for release. I behaved all day, 
As much as I enjoyed teasing him, I was just as desperate as he was. I wanted to feel him, taste him, touch him, but I wasn't going to let him know that. All you have to do is tell me. I unzipped the dress the rest of the way, allowing the thin straps to slip from my shoulders while still covering my nipples, but only just barely. You play dirty. He rubbed a hand over his chin, and I could sense him wavering. He surprised me by standing and unbuttoning his pants. Down they went, sliding over his powerful thighs, followed by his boxer briefs, leaving his cock bobbing toward his stomach. I swallowed hard, but when I saw the smile on his face, I snapped out of it. I allowed my dress to fall from my shoulders, silk pooling at my feet. Apart from a pair of white lace trim panties and a strapless plunge bra, I was naked. And the moment I looked at Harrison, I knew I'd won. He stepped closer, and I licked my lips in anticipation. Juliana. He let out a slow exhale. Do you trust me? Yes, of course. Then have faith that you'll love what I have planned for us. I deflated at his words, shoulders drooping. Love is trust, I reminded myself. It was something I'd been working on. Not that I didn't trust Harrison, I did. More that as a control freak, I needed to learn when to let go, when to rely on other people, especially him. I'd gotten better about it. At work, I'd given more and bigger events to Landon to handle on his own, and at home, I'd done the same, knowing Harrison would never intentionally make a decision that wasn't in our best interest. I know. You're right. I glanced up at him from beneath my lashes, only to find him watching me, brows pulled together, mouth tipped down. I owed him an explanation. I'm sorry. I think everything has just felt so chaotic lately. Landon and I have more clients than we can keep up with. Not that I'm complaining. There was our wedding to plan in a three-month span, and... It's been a lot. I didn't mention Harper, though she also weighed heavily on my mind. I know, baby. He pulled me into his chest. It was warm, and he smelled so good. I felt safe ensconced in his arms, as if nothing could hurt us. He held me a moment before releasing me, then said, Which is why it's more important than ever that we take this trip. You need to unwind and recharge, and so do I. Football season had only ended a few weeks ago, and Harrison had been juggling color commentating and several new endorsements. We'd both been running hard, trying to get as much done as we could before the wedding. And now, he was right, it was time to sit back and relax, to reap the rewards of our hard work. I'm looking forward to it. I am, I just... I feel so out of control. He grasped my shoulders. I'll tell you where we're going, if that's what you really want. He peered at me, green eyes swirling, questioning. I considered it a moment, and even as much as I wanted to know, I didn't want to spoil Harrison's fun. 
Besides, what was a few more hours at this point? I shook my head. Don't tell me, but... I squeezed my eyes shut, slowly opening one. Could you give me a clue? You know how I like to prepare my taste buds by anticipating what we're going to be eating? Mm-hmm. He smoothed his hands up and down my arms. Well, I find that the anticipation, the planning, are a big part of the experience for me. Don't I know it? He flashed me a wicked grin, and I playfully slapped his chest. Hey, get your mind out of the gutter. He chuckled, placing his hands on my hips. With you, Juliana, my mind is always in the gutter. He glanced down between us, as if to demonstrate his point. His erection was aimed straight at me, hard and seeking. I stroked his length, loving his sharp intake of breath, the way his cock twitched in my hand. Feel good? He leaned his head back, exposing the long column of his throat. Like you wouldn't believe. Can you just tell me... Are we going to the beach or the mountains, warm or cold? It was March, and depending on how far you were willing to travel, anything was possible. Beach. He all but moaned as I continued to slide my hand along his skin exploring. I grinned, finally relaxing. Thank you. Baby, he said through gritted teeth. Yeah. You're going to have to stop that. I don't want to come in your hand. Oh, right. I released him. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. I didn't realize how stressed you were about the honeymoon. That absolutely wasn't my intent. I know. I grinned, smoothing my hands down the hard planes of his chest. You were just trying to do something nice and help me let go which I appreciate. When his expression betrayed skepticism, I added, I do. Good, I'm glad that's settled. He gave me a quick peck on the lips. Because I want you naked and on the bed, now. Chapter two. I sauntered over to the bed adding a little extra sway to my hips. When I glanced back at Harrison, his eyes were dark, glittering with danger. I kept my back to him as I undid my bra before casting it aside. When I hooked my fingers in my panties, he said, wait. Wait? I tilted my head to the side. First, lie down. I furrowed my brow, but did as he requested crawling across the bed on my knees until he said, turn over, on your back. I rolled onto my back, fanning my hair across the covers. Someone's awfully bossy tonight, I teased, growing more impatient by the moment. Perfect. He climbed on top of me, the weight and heat of his body blanketing me with a sense of calm only he could provide. I got a powerful feeling of deja vu to our first night together. Did I ever tell you I thought you looked like a bride on her wedding night? I blinked at him a few times, 
stunned by his words. I think I'd remember something like that, I scoffed. Well, you did. I just didn't realize then that you were going to be my bride one day. I cannot believe you mentioned that night in your vows. I shook my head with a laugh, covering my face with my hands. He chuckled, pushing them aside. You act like I told everyone we started as a one-night stand. If you had, I might have left you standing at the altar. You wouldn't have. He nipped my ear. And even if you did, you know I'd always be here, waiting for you. I know. My tone was solemn, and I knew he'd hold true to that promise. He already had. But I'm yours. Always. He captured my lips, claiming me and showing me that I belonged to him. And when he explored my body, it was as if seeing it anew. His eyes and hands roamed my skin as if it were our first time. There were kisses on my neck, my chest, my nipples. He sucked each into his mouth, swirling his tongue around the tight bud. I cried out, clutching the sheets as he continued to lavish one, then the other with attention. Harrison, I panted, arching my hips so his erection could slide along the damp material of my panties. God, it felt amazing. I need you. He kissed his way down my stomach, nuzzling me through my panties. Fuck, baby. He pulled the material aside but I tugged on his shoulders. I wanted him to make love to me with his mouth, but I wanted him inside me more. Inside me, please. The entire day had been an exercise in restraint. Every look, every touch from Harrison had only increased the anticipation until the point that I thought I might explode if he didn't make love to me. Can't we do both? He pouted, mouth poised just above my most sensitive spot. Every breath from his parted lips was hot on my skin, like lava. Harrison seemed to hesitate a moment, then slid his hands beneath the waistband of my underwear. He dragged the lacy material down my legs, but not before pressing his lips to my mound. I shivered sensation overtaking me as he carefully removed them, then kissed his way back up my calves, then my thighs. The only reason I agreed is because I know we'll have plenty of time on the plane for round two. I smiled, loving him for dropping a subtle hint. Now that I'd released some of my concerns, I was less burdened, in fact, I was growing more excited about our honeymoon by the instant. He stood at the edge of the bed, and I pushed up on my elbows so I could watch. I wanted to see where we connected as well as feel it. He lined himself up at my entrance, pushing in slowly, deliciously, inch by inch until he was fully seated. My channel clenched around him so full. He shuddered. Eyes locked on mine. Don't do that again. Not if you want me to last. I grinned, loving the effect I had on him. He pulled me closer to the edge of the mattress, and I wrapped my arms around his neck, using him as my anchor. 
His lips were on mine, in my hair, tracing a haphazard line down my neck. His whispered words of love and adoration just as fervent and powerful as the thrusts that accompanied them. I dragged my nails down his back, loving the friction on my clit from his body. I was close, teetering on the edge. Fuck, he ground out. You feel so good, and I don't know how much longer I can hold out. His pace accelerated, and as out of control as it seemed, our eyes remained focused on each other. He was my constant. He was there for me, putting me first, just as he always had, just as he'd promised in our wedding vows. Let go, I said, feeling my own release building. And when the muscles of his stomach clenched, his grip on me tightening, his eyes so full of love and devotion, I followed my own advice, tumbling over the cliff with him. I cried out before smashing my lips to his, wanting to breathe his air. It was frantic and chaotic, and it was absolutely beautiful. We stayed there a moment, wrapped up in each other, barely hanging on to the edge of the bed, my breathing was ragged, my chest brushing against his. And when he let out a deep sigh of satisfaction, I convulsed around him one last time, my nerves on edge from the surge of pleasure. He laughed, cupping my cheeks. I love you. I love you, I said, just before he slanted his mouth over mine. We poured all our emotions into the kiss, all the joy, the love, the hope. I love you, he said again with a quick peck to my lips. And I'm honored to be your husband. I smiled, tears welling up in my eyes, my body bursting with emotion. There had been a time, not that long ago, when I'd been convinced I'd never be happy again. I'd never find love again, let alone experience this kind of incandescent, all-encompassing joy. Don't cry, baby. He swiped away my tears with his thumbs. They're happy tears, I said through a smile. I promise. Good. He pressed his lips to mine. His phone vibrated from somewhere in the room, and he groaned, unwilling to break the kiss. When it continued to ring, he glanced around, pausing when he spied his pants. Just a sec. He dug in the pocket, peered at the screen, and then typed out something. Everything okay? I asked, grabbing my lingerie from the floor before standing. Yep. He grinned, giving nothing away. That was the pilot. Can you be ready to leave in 30 minutes? I just need to shower and grab some carry-on items. Ah. He held up his pointer finger, making his way toward his nightstand. He opened the drawer and pulled out a book. Olivia asked me to give you this. When he held it up, I realized it was the new Megan Hart novel, one that wasn't even for sale yet, wouldn't be on shelves for months. I felt fortunate to have such a great relationship with Harrison's daughter, Olivia. She was sweet and kind, but savvy, she worked for a newer publishing company and always got early access to the best books, including those from my favorite romance author. I'd been dying to read Megan's latest book. As soon as Olivia had told me about it, I knew I needed it. 
a football player and the first female coach of the team, it was going to be hot, and I couldn't wait to get my hands on it. I squealed and darted to grab it from Harrison. Harrison chuckled. Oh my, am I going to see you at all over the next week, or is your head going to be buried in this book the entire trip? I guess that depends on how long the flight is, I smirked, setting it next to my tote that I planned to carry on the plane. I'd already added my makeup bag, a new lingerie purchase, and some other essentials, like my thyroid medication and favorite snacks. He slapped my butt on the way to the bathroom. Come on, wife, let's shower. I shook my head with a laugh, following after him. Considering the glimmer in his eye, I had a feeling it was going to take more than 30 minutes to shower and get ready. Good thing we're taking a private jet. Champagne? Peyton, the flight attendant, asked as soon as we had boarded the plane and were seated. I was still struggling to take it all in, from the tan leather to the rose gold accents to the bedroom at the rear. It was luxury at its finest, and I'd never felt so spoiled. When Harrison shrugged, I said, why not, to Peyton, it is our wedding day after all. Yes, she smiled, fidgeting with her pen. Congratulations, Mr. and Mrs. Hayes. Actually, Harrison said, and I waved my hand to ward off his comment. I might not be legally changing my last name to Hayes, but it was fun to think of myself that way, as Mrs. Harrison Hayes. He smiled, taking my hand in his as Peyton whisked away to grab the champagne. You ready? He asked, rubbing his thumb back and forth over my skin. I'm excited. Good. Peyton returned with our champagne, removing the bottle of Dom Perignon from the bucket before filling two flutes. Harrison held up his glass, and I followed suit. To you, my beautiful bride. To us, I said. The clink of the glasses drowned out by the pilot firing up the plane's engines. You're stuck with me now, he said, just before swallowing down some of the liquid sunshine. I laughed, not bothered by that idea in the slightest. As I took a sip, the bubbles dancing on my tongue, I marveled once more at the beautiful and pristine interior of the jet, and I couldn't help wondering, how much did this cost? Harrison leaned forward, lowering his voice. Nothing. I blinked at him a few times, positive I'd misheard. Nothing? It was a wedding gift from Crewe. He sat back, crossing one ankle at the knee. Seriously? I sat my glass down on the table. That was nice of him. He lifted a shoulder. I did lead the Hollywood Heat Waves to championship victory four years in a row. And I was one of the winningest, longest lasting players on his team. Still, a private jet to, well, wherever we were going, couldn't be cheap even for the owner of a successful national football team such as Crew Dixon. It's not like he gave us the jet. We get to borrow it for the honeymoon. I nodded. I'll be sure to send him an extra nice thank you note. I extracted my phone from my purse and opened the notes app to make a reminder for later. I was about to put my phone in airplane mode when I saw a new text message from the wedding photographer. I think Crew felt bad that he couldn't make it to the wedding. 
Harrison said as the captain came over the speaker and asked us to buckle up and prepare for takeoff. I clicked on the link in the message, gasping as beautiful images flooded my screen. What is it? The photographer sent me a preview. I smiled and flashed the phone at Harrison. As we surged down the runway, then glided into the sky, we scanned through the photos. I replayed the memories in my mind, knowing it was something I'd do often for the rest of my life. It had been intimate and absolutely perfect, everything I could have dreamed of. Having connections in the industry certainly helped, and many of them had insisted on providing their services for free, despite my protests. From the catering to the linens to the flowers, we'd been given so many wedding gifts, I couldn't possibly repay all their incredible kindness. Harrison chuckled. Look at Reg, hamming it up for the camera. He shook his head, amused by his best friend's antics. But my attention was on his wife, Jazz. At the way her hand hovered over her stomach, as if protectively. I turned to Harrison. Is Jazz pregnant? What? He jerked his head back, then leaned in to get a closer look. Oh, damn. She might be. Want to plan their baby shower? Of course. He handed back the phone. Were they trying for another? He rubbed a hand over his chin. I don't know. Reg always acted like he was done having kids. I mean, this baby would make six. I laughed. I can't even imagine. Neither can I. The crease in Harrison's forehead smoothed when he saw the next picture, his lips turning up into a smile along with mine. One amazing daughter is all I need. The image was of Harrison's daughter, Olivia, and her husband. She was beaming at us from the front row, Connor's arm around her. It seemed like just yesterday that we'd been planning their wedding, though really it had been little over a year. So much had changed since then. The next picture was of my parents, clapping as we'd been announced husband and wife. They were smiling through their tears, knowing what I'd gone through to get to this point. How sweet do Blair and Sophia look? I asked, admiring the flower girls. Harrison nodded. There was another picture of Preston holding Sophia on his lap, tears in his eyes. I could tell that attending the wedding had been emotional for him, and I wondered if it was because he was imagining his daughters as brides one day. The next image was of him and Alexis kissing over the top of Blair's head. Such a beautiful family. I scrolled through a few more. Hunter and Lauren on the dance floor, Landon hugging me. I paused when I came to one of Harper, and I sighed, some of my earlier happiness dissipating. Of my three best friends, Alexis, Lauren, and Harper, I'd always been closest to Harper. She was more like a sister to me, and even though she'd smiled and put on a brave face, I knew she was hurting. It was clear from the way she held herself to the forced smile, but I kept scrolling, loving each new photo that appeared on my screen. Reg's and Olivia's speeches, Harrison and I feeding each other cake, Sophia standing on Preston's feet as they danced, Harrison pressing his lips to my cheek. Stolen kisses, precious moments. But still, my mind kept coming back to Harper and heartache. You okay? 
Harrison asked, breaking me out of my trance. We had reached cruising altitude and were flying over the ocean. I shook my head as if to clear it and took a sip of champagne. Are you thinking about Ryan? He asked, surprising me. I hadn't thought of my former fiancé all day, at least not until now. Actually, I was thinking about Harper. He finished off his glass and poured another, then topped off mine. You mentioned being worried about her earlier. What's going on? I hesitated, knowing it might upset Harrison. But I also knew he wouldn't let it rest until I'd gotten it off my chest. I swallowed, forcing out the words. She thought she was pregnant, and now she's not. His lips turned downward. That type of loss is heartbreaking. He paused, his eyes misting over briefly before he cleared his throat and said, But I'm glad she has the three of you to lean on. I had no one. I squeezed his hand, hating the idea of the man I loved feeling so alone. We sat in silence a moment, the hum of the engines the only sound. At least until I blurted, maybe I should offer to be a surrogate for her. Harrison coughed a few times, his face turning red as he choked on champagne. My heart clutched, but I tried to remain calm. When I asked if he was okay, he held up a hand, coughing a few more times before taking a sip of water Peyton had offered him. A surrogate? He forced the words out. I know, I know, I sighed, dragging my hand through my hair. Hearing it aloud, I realized how absurd that sounded. Besides, I had a feeling I wasn't the ideal candidate to be a surrogate, considering the fact that I was 37. Harrison and I had talked about kids and didn't plan to have our own. He was 51, he'd already raised one child, and he wasn't interested in having another. As for me, I was perfectly content with my life. I loved my job, I loved playing auntie to my sister's kids as well as Alexis's, and I loved my life with Harrison. Even so, I wanted to help Harper. I needed to help her. It was the least I could do after all she'd done for me, especially the past few years. My chest tightened from my complete inability to do anything. Harrison unlatched his seatbelt and crouched before me, taking my hands in his. It's not absurd to want to do something, anything, to help the people you love. It's admirable, and a big reason why I love you. I softened, placing a hand to his cheek. His scruff tickled my palm, and I pulled him to me for a kiss. The connection had fire rushing through my veins, despite the orgasms he'd given me mere hours ago. Come on. He tugged my hand, pulling me toward the bedroom at the back of the plane. Let's go to bed. Welcome back. So that was the first installment of Without End by Jenna Hartley. Like we said earlier, make sure to check out her new release, Inevitable, and all other good stuff. We'll tell you more about that on Thursday. Mel had to dip out extra quick, so I'm just going to tell you, fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye. Read me romance, read, read me romance. Read
read me romance read 